Let's be turning our Bibles this morning to the book of Proverbs. We started in the Sunday school hour in Proverbs, and boy, what a good lesson that was. I uh, appreciate it so very much. About strife and the danger of carnality. I like that song too. I've always liked that song. You know, if um, if God cares about sparrows, and I, I like wildlife and I like birds, but on the on the, if you have a long list of birds you like the most, sparrows would not even be on the list. <laughs> but God sees the every sparrow when it falls, and if He cares about the sparrows, He cares about us. Amen. Proverbs, we're going to read in Proverbs chapter 14, just begin with a single verse. So good to see you today. And this, this verse, in a, in a sense, really kind of summarizes a lot of hope and potential for families, for individuals. It's, a, it's really an admonition to women, but we could all apply it in some way to our life, and so we're going to do that today. And if you're able to stand, I'd ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word today. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1, it says, Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down, talking about the house, with her hands. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. I, as you know, love the book of Proverbs, and just almost every day of my life find the book of Proverbs a source of great encouragement and practical wisdom. It's full of wisdom. You know, we, there's only about a thousand verses in the book of Proverbs, but Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, the Bible says wrote 3,000 Proverbs. God gave him great wisdom about finances, about child, rank, uh, child rearing, about marriage, about health. And so today we're going to look at some very practical wisdom from this verse and some other places. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. And we sincerely, Lord, Declare that without you, we can't even understand the Bible, much less apply it to our life. So we pray for your help as we look at our Bible, as we gaze upon these words, as we consider them together, that, Lord, you'd use it. Lord, use it in ways that might amaze us. Use it not only for us personally, but for those that we care about that are around us. Use it for adults as well as children. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I just want to begin by just looking at this verse a little closer, Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1, and just notice the general outline of the, of the verse and who it's speaking to and what it's speaking about. First of all, as I mentioned earlier, it's speaking, the primary subject it's speaking about it is the woman. It says every wise woman, in verse 1, buildeth her House, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hand. So the primary subject is the woman. And talking about the woman, the wise writer of Proverbs talks about the influence that a woman can have, the power that she can have to build up or to tear down. 
And then it talks about, so it talks about the woman. It talks about the influence of the woman. And then it talks about the way she influences is through, basically through her character and her activity. It says every wise woman. So there's a contrast there between the wise and the foolish woman. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. So we see it's about, it's about a woman. It's about a woman who has the power and influence to, to build up or to tear down. And, that, and the fact that she can do that with wisdom, build up, or with foolishness, tear down. And then we see, fourthly, the place of her primary influence, and that is her house. It says, every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. So... The primary place that this Bible is talking about her influence in this regard is her house. Now that does not mean that a, a woman has no other place of influence, such as the community, such as the church, in various places. But this proverb, in this particular verse, is talking about her influence to build her house or to weaken her house. And... So that's kind of what the verse says. Isn't that a great verse of scripture, by the way? I see a lot of hope in it, a lot of promise in it. And so we're going we're gonna to take a couple of aspects of that today and emphasize it. And the first one is just the powerful potential that women have. And as we heard in Sunday school today, there's a lot of emphasis in our culture on, you know, women... Uh, entrepreneurs, women in business, women, women who are leaders in diff different movements. And I'm not against all those things, but the primary area of influence that God intended for a woman to have begins in her home. And so we've, we see this here in the scripture. A woman can be a builder or a destroyer. And she does that through her wisdom. And we're going to talk about that subject of wisdom because we need God's wisdom. So she has the power with her wisdom to build up her house, and she has the power with her hands, what she does, her actions, to be destructive in her house. And, and again, it's primarily talking here about her role in the home and the family. You know, when it says there that uh, emphasize this people, I think partly because of our culture, probably because of the many changes we've seen in recent generations, that people almost... Um, want to be defensive about that, you know, like, like that's not an important role. But, you know, we need to look to the Bible. If we reject the wisdom of God, we're not just rejecting his wisdom, we're rejecting him. And God wants to give us wisdom. And so this, so it's talking here about how, how the, the home needs to be their primary focus. I'm going to, please mark this in your Bible, if you would. And I want to go to a couple of, uh, or at least one New Testament examples of this same the same emphasis. So we'll come back to Proverbs 14, but go with me if you would please to the book of Titus. In Titus chapter 2, we're just going to read a few verses. And it, it talks here about the aged men, and then it talks about the aged women. And I'm going to be very um, wise. And not talking about how old the aged women are. But we had, a, I think we had five, five women yesterday that were recognized uh, for their um, seniority, <laughs> their maturity, 
And uh, that was a blessing to be able to do that at our ladies' brunch. Proverbs chapter 2, so it talks about the aged men, the aged women. Then it talks about the young women, and it talks about the young men. So all, all these different age groups are covered in this passage with some wisdom for them. But let's look in verse 3 where it says, The aged women, likewise, and it's been talking about the aged men, like, the aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior... That's their character, their lifestyle. This, they're, they're, the aged women, their behavior has becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. So there we have some, so the important role of the older women, and particularly in the church, that they're to be example of holy living. And again, sometimes people think, well, that's not important. But, the, you know, the, the more I go down this journey of life, the more important I think that is. That, that we have this ex, these examples in our, neighbor, in our, in our network of fr- friends and family and influence in our church particularly. These aged women that are in behaviors becometh holiness. Not false accusers. They're not slanderers. They're not gossipers. They're not criti- being critical or negative. They're, they're not false accusers. And they're teachers. Of good things, the ver- verse 3 says at the end, teachers of good things. And then verse 4 is going to tell us who they should primarily be teaching, that they may teach the young women to be sober. And we think of sober sobriety, we naturally just think of not being uh, drunk or not being under the influence of some chemical. But the word sober there has to do with their thinking. Teach the young women to think soberly. Uh, to think clearly, to think biblically. Teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands. Now, you know, one, a person could say, well, a wife doesn't need to know, have to be taught how to love their husbands. Well, the Bible says that they need to be taught how to love their husbands because we don't just naturally know how to do that. Aren't you glad... I'm going to say this for young ladies. Aren't you glad you have older women who can model that for you and help you know how to teach, teach how to love their husbands and to love their children, to love their children, and then to be discreet, to be chaste. The word chaste means pure. Older women teaching younger women to be chaste. Keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So that's an important thing to, to teach them to be to be holy women. You know, you can if if I was um, if I had a family of, of young children, we have grandchildren, of course, a lot of grandchildren, but our children are out on their own. But if we had a lot of children, I would want the and I had young girls, I'd want those girls to be able to see what really being a godly woman looks like by looking at other godly women. And, and I, can I say something today that uh, I think is just common sense? If all of our do- young ladies just saw in social media or television or the community what pure godly women are supposed to look like, they would be ill-equipped really to lead holy lives. We ought to, they see that in the church. They see that among godly women. But the point I want to see and emphasize here is he says here, Paul writing to Titus, 
keepers at home. That, in other words, maintaining the home. And again, it doesn't say, you know, that a woman can't ever have any interest outside the home. I appreciated uh, Brother Hawkins say this morning, his, you know, his, he was raised by a mom who's a single parent. Debbie's here. She, she worked to provide for her family. But she, her focus at home, at home was her home. That's, that's the way it should be. So it's not saying don't, people shouldn't immediately get defensive and say, well, you know, you're saying a person should never have any interest outside the home. No, it just says that the home should be their priority. Paul wrote to Timothy. And I'm not going to turn to that, but he said this to young women, they should guide the house. That was the words of the Bible. Guide the house. That means manage the family. You know, uh, I used to be when a person was filling out a some kind of an application or something of that nature, and they ask for the occupation of the woman. My wife and I have been through that before, feeling it. They want to know the woman's occupation. And at times, my wife, uh, especially after our kids were out of the home, she taught in her school. She was a kindergarten teacher. She worked here in the, off, in the school at times. But if you put down homemaker, then that was, that, that was a common thing to put down as a, as a homework. Now that's almost an occupation that's sort of, rejected like that's not important it is God says it is important it's ordained of God you can't improve on God's plan if a mother and if a mother was to hear this say well that's just not for me then I would say and say it in sincerity then you ought to say God help me to have the prior put the priority on things that you put the priority on one of the things that's obvious at our church, now you can't see it this morning because many of our children are in other places and children's church, things of that nature, but we're blessed to have a lot of kids in our church. I mean, they're everywhere, right? They're not here right now, but come back tonight or Wednesday night. And we're blessed to have so many young children in our church. And by the way, it is a blessing. I speak as a pastor. It's a blessing to see... Moms and dads that take their responsibility seriously to raise their children, to try to teach and train their children. Children are a blessing from God. Amen. They're God's blessing. But, but parenting is not an easy task. You know, we were kidding around out in the foyer a little while ago. Um, you know, Michelle's getting really close to being able to deliver a baby. And, and her husband and I were talking about how this thing of bringing children to the world is to snap. There's nothing to it, you know. And she begged to differ with us a little bit. <laughs> she said, next time, he gets to carry the baby. But parenting is more than bringing children into the world. Right? And I'm not speaking just to moms. I'm talking to dads, to all of us. And on that thought, I'm sure there are women, maybe none here, but I'm sure there are women that have sometimes thought after the experience of childbirth, wow, I'm glad the worst of this is over. <laughs> but I just, you know, we all know the truth. The work has just begun. Parenting is rewarding, but it's work. It is work. And as parents, we can't farm that out to someone else. It's God gave us that that privilege really in that responsibility that role and I think there's a, a lot wrong we all would agree with this I think there's a lot wrong in our country a lot wrong in our culture but you know what a lot of part is what's wrong in our culture 
has to do with the, the breakdown and the failures in homes and families. You know, we want to blame it on everybody else. But really, we need to look at ourselves and say, what can I do? And on this Mother's Day, I, I'm thankful for, for family. I'm thankful for motherhood. I'm thankful for my wife's influence on our children and her role. I'm very grateful for that. And I'm also thankful for my mother's and my mother-in-law's, her mother's example and their, their role, their influence in our life. They, both of our, these mothers greatly influenced our lives. And some of you would know this, but some of you wouldn't. But during the early days of our marriage, my wife and I, we had a lot of serious problems in our marriage. And sometimes, you know, we were even separated at times. But even during those times, one of my wife's best friends was my mother. And uh, they had a great relationship. And I thank God for that. And my mother also was a single parent, raising three boys uh, in, our, in our home. And I was the middle one and the perfect one. Um, <laughs> my mother had a full-time job. She commuted about 15 or 20 miles into downtown Dallas five days a week, working hard to provide for her kids. She also taught Sunday school. She also was very active in the church. She did all that without the help and support of a husband or a man in the house. I thank God for women who do what is necessary to accomplish God's will. I can still, I was thinking about this yesterday, I can still see her sitting in our dining room table in this little humble frame house we lived in growing up. In the evening teaching me, uh, helping me on my homework, teaching me, you know, high school math. I mean, I just had this great appreciation for mother who works all day. You say, well, I'm just, I just can't do that. You know, we can do what God wants us to do. We can, we can do what God wants us to do. You know what, and the greatest gift she has, this one I want to get around, she exemplified to me what faith really looks like. How living for God and serving the Lord as a, had a great impact upon our life. And so I just want to, as I look at this passage, I'm still here in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 14, where, where this wise writer, the, this, listen, God said of, of uh, Solomon that he was the wise, the word of God says he was the wisest man to live. And this wise man talks about the influence that parents can have on their children. That a mother and a wife can be an influencer in the home. I want to read it again. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. You know, I, I really am echoing that really the sentiment uh, that Brother uh, Hawkins had this morning in Sunday school, and that is this. Women should never marginalize, never minimize their important role in the home as an influencer. Not just see theirself as someone who has to keep the house clean or has to, you know, do the grocery shopping. But, but as an influencer, there's no more important role for a, mo for a mom than teaching and training her children. And, and I, think we, I think in our families, we need to embrace this. We need to, we need to make this, uh, say this is our goal. This is what we want to do. And as a mom, this is a, this is a mission in life to guide your home with God's wisdom. You know, if I had the power, and I don't have the power, and 
None of us have the power, individually or collectively, but if I had the power to change our country, I'd love to do it, to make many changes. And we don't have that power, but you know what? We can help make positive changes in our children and in our families and our home. And, and as we heard this morning in Sunday school, we ought to ask God to help us. God, give us the help that we need. And I believe, you know, and I obviously, in my wife and I's family, both of us are there generally growing up over the years. We're both there. I'm not there during the day, of course, like she would be more than I would be. But I believe a woman has the ability to greatly control the spirit and the atmosphere of a home. And how desperately we need that. So the, so the, thing I, the first thing I emphasize here is the influence, the power that a woman can have in her home. The second thing I want to talk about, also from Proverbs 14, is how we need God's wisdom. Notice what he says in verse 1. And this is talking about a wise woman, but this applies to every one of us, no matter what our age is. Every wise woman buildeth her house. But the foolish plucketh it down with their hands. And if you're a reader, if you're familiar with the book of Proverbs at all, it often, and not just Proverbs, but throughout the Bible, it contrasts wisdom and foolishness. The wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. The foolishness of the world. And, and the Bible says the wisdom, uh, the, the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. And, and please hear this. Let this really soak in. And, I'm, and I'm now I'm, I'm really wanting to emphasize this to our young people especially. Don't look to the world for your wisdom. Don't look to your friends for your wisdom. Look to God for your wisdom. Because if you'll build with the wisdom of God, it'll make a great difference in your life. But foolishness leads us to the, the path of destruction. So where's this wisdom found? First and foremost, it's found in God's word. You know, I was just, uh, out of curiosity, I was looking at this book of Proverbs yesterday. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. And in those 31 chapters, there are 44 references either to a wife or a mother or a woman. Over, more than once in every chapter, there's something in this book for women. And, and I would encourage all of us to read the book of Proverbs and, and find some wisdom you know, we have, the, we have God's practical teaching in this book about how to, ra how to raise children. You say, well, I have a, strong, I have a strong willed child. Uh, well, you know, there's, there's stuff in the Bible about that, about how to work with a, a strong willed child. I mean, there's just, a, there's so much wisdom in the Word of God. Get, to, get into the Bible. I wouldn't embarrass anybody by doing this, but. But I'd like to know how many times as a mother or as a father or as a, as a parent, as a, as a husband, a wife, do we get into this book and say, God, show me how to live? You know, if you're reading the book of Judges, we're not going to turn to it today, and it just crossed my mind as I'm up here preaching. We have the story of the, uh, the life of these judges and how they were born and and how they came about as an answer to prayer and a timely answer to prayer. But one of the great, great stories we have in the Bible is a mom and a dad saying to God, show us how to raise this child. Show us. If you think you know how to do all this without God's help, you're mistaken. We need God's wisdom. 
And then we have the examples in the Bible of godly women and how they lived. It's an amazing thing. You read about Jochebed, the mother of Moses, or, or just different women in the Bible. Hannah, the mother of Samuel, who de- dedicated her child to God even before he was born. And, and how Paul wrote to Timothy about how Timothy's mother and grandmother had such a powerful influence in his life. Where do we get wisdom? We get it from the Bible. We get it from the Word of God. And by the way, you see examples of foolish women in the Bible as well. And uh, Proverbs 9 says, A foolish woman is loud and sensual and worldly. Those, those are the, we, we find this stuff in the Bible. We need God's wisdom. We need His wisdom to build. Look at what it says in verse 1. Every wise woman buildeth her house. We need God's wisdom. And I know when my wife and I came to know the Lord, when we started going to church, we were in our early 20s, and we already had one child, and uh, Tracy, and she has always been a handful. (laughs) So we didn't start out, we didn't start out looking to God for wisdom. You may be sitting here thinking, well, my, you know, I've already been raising these children for a while. It's never too late to start. God, give us, give us wisdom. You know, it's talking about building. A wise builder ought to consult the architectural plan, the design, right? If you're going to build something, a wise builder, every wise woman buildeth. And you know who the designer of the family is? It's God. He's the one that, he's the, he's the architect for our lives and our families. We look to God. We ask him for the wisdom that we need. By the way, we're encouraged, and you would know this, James, to ask if any man lack wisdom, and I, we've all been there. I, I feel the need for wisdom almost every day of my life. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally. There's a lot of places to get wisdom for child training. I read a moment ago in the New Testament where it admonishes younger women to be taught by older women. If I was a young mother and I was trying to raise children for the Lord, I would talk to older women who have children who know how to behave, who know how to, who, who, who you say, man, these children, I need some help with this. You know what we do? A lot of times, we, this is going to really, I'm going to avoid getting too far off the beaten path, but you know what they, we read these blogs and we get these, look at all these different podcasts, listen to these things, and we're getting our wisdom sometimes from people who've never raised a family or may have just a couple of little children or, or infants or whatever, and they're saying, this is how you ought to raise your kids. You know, I'm not saying they don't have some principles, but it ought to be based on the Word of God. You ought to, we ought to look to the Bible. We ought to look to parents who've had some success in training their children. I think there's a great source of wisdom in older women who've learned from decades of experience. And again, in our church, we have great examples of men and women for younger adults and parents to learn from. And uh, this, I was thinking about this matter of learning from other women and I'm not going to turn to it, but uh, in this book of Proverbs, if you're familiar with the book of Proverbs, you know that Proverbs 31 is like a verse, it's a chapter in the Bible that most moms hope doesn't get preached on Mother's Day. (laughs) Because it's about this remarkable woman, 
the Proverbs 30, a virtuous woman who can find. And it tells us in that, in that chapter that it was written by King Lemuel. Many people believe that King Lemuel was, was Solomon. And it very well could have been. But the interesting thing in that chapter, that great chapter about this, this uh, superwoman, this, this miraculous, just godly, virtuous woman, all the things that King Lemuel writes in that, he says this, that he, he was taught them by his mother. Isn't that something? The guy that gives us all this great wisdom about how a godly woman can live, well, he was taught that by his mother. I just say that to emphasize the importance of, of learning God's wisdom from other women or from other, from other ladies. And in that chapter, that great chapter, it says this, Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Isn't that a great verse? You know what women should be praised for more? They, they fear the Lord. They have a relationship with God. So as we look at this subject of building our homes and building our families, and, and you know, my wife and I are, you know, we hope we have many years left to serve the Lord and to be with our families. But at best, I feel like we're, we're in the final turn. We may not be in the home stretch yet, but we're getting close to the home stretch. But you know what? These things are just as important to us today at our age as they were when we had little children in our home. You know why? Because we, we believe it's important for us, for all of us, to work together to help build strong families and teach children. So what would God want us to do? What would, as, as a family, as a parent, what would God want us to do? And you may be here as a single parent, and you say, well, I just don't have any help. You do have help. You have God, God's help. You have God's help. And like I said, we, you know, it's amazing to me that my mother survived my, me and my two brothers. <laughs> it's just a testimony of the grace of God. So what should we do? Number one, we ought to diligently work at creating a pleasant atmosphere in the home. What an important thing that is. When a child comes home from school or a child comes home from being at a friend's house or whatever the case might be, they ought to come home to a place that's, that there's an obvious, it's obvious that people are working to control the atmosphere of that home. The second thing that we can do is develop safeguards and guidelines for the home. You know, I, I noticed this in my study about this message, that in Proverbs, two different times in Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs says this. Think about these words. Take them to heart. He said, forsake not the law of thy mother. Now, why didn't he say forsake not the law of their father? And believe me, the fathers are establishing guidelines and establishing roads. But the mother is also setting these guidelines, setting these boundaries. And he says, forsake not the law of thy mother. And that's one of the things a mother can do is, is have these, call it the law. I think the, the mother is, legislates. She establishes laws. She establishes rules. She establishes guidelines. She establishes boundaries. You know, this past Wednesday... I taught a very simple lesson on, on friendships, on 
having the right kind of friends. The wrong kind of friends can be very destructive and detrimental. Who's going to help establish those guidelines? It ought to be the moms and dads, but the mother has a role in that. So we can, what can, we, what can I do as a mother in this culture to help obey the Word of God? Work at creating an atmosphere in your home that is pleasant for yourself and for your children. Second of all, develop safeguards, guidelines for the home. Think about it. What can we do? What can we do differently? What could we do better? Thirdly, recognize dangerous and destructive influences in the home. And they abound. And I'm not going to say a lot about this, but every parent who ha doesn't have their head in the sand should know that one of the greatest challenges to raising children in our day and age has to do with social media. What they're being exposed to. I was shocked. I was shocked recent, recently reading the number of children, 10 and younger, who have a smartphone. And the things that they're able to access if there's, with those phones. I'm just telling you, you say, well, you're just old-fashioned. I'm watching out for the minds and hearts of young people. We ought to all be watching out for that. Recognize these destructive influences. And it may not be just social media. It may be just movies and games and all those kinds of things. So recognize those destructive influences. Fourthly, intentionally reinforce good character. Good character like cleaning your room. Good character like saying, having manners. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? You say, well, that's not really important. It is important. All these things matter. And the last thing, number five, be an example. Be an example of Christian conduct and attitude. You know, people hear me talk about my mother and they think I'm talking about, I think she's a saint. Well, she is saved, so she is a saint. She wasn't perfect. But you know what? She's a good example. Be a good example. Be a good example in, in, in your attitude. And that's not just, I said earlier, this is not just for moms. This is for all of us. I love our young people. There's such potential in our young people. But we have to take our role seriously. And be an example of Bible reading and praying, of devotions. There's, there's just something powerful about seeing your mom or dad with an open Bible, reading the Bible. Isn't that something? That, that, ought, that speaks volumes to our... It's one thing to go to church. It's another thing for them to see you're opening up the Bible and then take the Bible and teach Bible lessons, both formally, like we're sitting down to have a, a Bible study, but informally, just in life. No, let's, let's look at what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about this? And this, you're obviously doing this at least today. Make church attendance and church activities a consistent priority. Always. Many people have heard me say this about my mother because it made such an impact on my life. By the way, my mom, my, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something very dangerous here because I'm opening up more than one conversation. My wife and I were talking, driving to church this morning about the memories we have in our, in our childhood and how few those memories are. But I can remember once when my mama took us, the boys, on a camping trip on a Friday night because there wasn't a dad in the home. And she thinks boys ought to learn how to camp. So mama took us camping. But you know what we did? We got up early enough and got back to church on Sunday morning. And you know what? That, that's, that spoke volumes to me. 
I, never, I don't remember being upset about it. I said, why can't we? No, this was, her, this was the life that she lived. So we ought to be a good example to our children of Christian conduct and attitudes and make serving the Lord something the family does together. We enjoy serving the Lord. I would never do this. I'd like to do it, but I'm not going to do it. Name any names, but I've watched mamas come in this building with their children in tow for their cleaning day with good attitudes, a good spirit. And te- you know what they're teaching their children? This is what we do for the Lord. This is something important. We do it for the Lord. We ought to, we ought to teach our children the importance of not only just worship, but God's work in our life. We, you know, I know some people would hear this and they say, well, you, you're overboard. I want to tell you, maybe we, maybe we are overboard sometimes. I don't think we are. But I'm telling you, our kids need all the positive reinforcement they can get in their life. That comes from the Bible, that comes from God, that comes from Sunday school classes, it comes from a youth director, it comes from their preacher, it comes from mom and dad. They need all the positive, positive reinforcement they can get in their life. And we need to take that serious. I love this verse. Every wise woman buildeth her house... But the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. And I just want to end on this note. To moms, to dads, to grandparents, to single parents and parents with a, you know, what we would call a traditional or nuclear family, all of us to get all of us in one category. We ought to ask God, starting where we are today, God. Give us wisdom to build our house the way you want us to build it. Obviously, the sooner we begin, the earlier we start, the better it is. But start where we are. And it may not always be, it may not always be easy. It may not always be convenient. Sometimes a young person may say, oh, but mom, I did this to my mama. You know, nobody else does that. Everybody else has one of those. It's not always easy. But let's do the best thing. Whatever God wants, let's do the best thing. And if we would just do that, and it may not seem like a lot, but if you could do that, and if I could do that, and then if our children would do that, and their children would do that, what a difference it might make in our world. Amen? Absolutely. And it all starts with the word of God and it all starts with knowing Jesus Christ Jesus for us Jesus changed our hearts when we got saved he changed our lives he gave us different desires gave us different goals and gave us different values you know what he changes us from the inside out nobody forced this upon us nobody when we started going to church, they didn't grab us and say, now this is what you're going to start doing with your kids. With you. No, it didn't happen like that. But God was working in our hearts. We wanted to please God. And now that's what you, you want. We want to please God. And that starts with trusting Christ as Savior, being born again, knowing the Lord in your life, and then letting Him have your way in your life. I hope you'll do that today. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. With our heads bowed.
today. I think one of the most challenging things in life, literally, is parenting. Raising our family. Teaching our children. And individually, by ourselves, none of us are up to the task. But God is with us. He helps us. He wants to help us. Give us wisdom. Maybe tonight, today would be a just good day to just take this moment and say, God, I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom to be a mom, to be a dad, husband, a wife, a godly young person. I need your wisdom. And if you don't know Christ today, please hear me. You're listening. Please hear me. The Lord wants to save you. He wants to be a part of your life. But you have to come to him. He's not going to force his way into your life. You've got to humble yourself and come to him with sincere heart and with faith and say, Lord, I want to put my faith and trust in Christ and his death on the cross. I want to know you. And God is here to help. We're here to help you as well. Our Father, as we pray today, I want to thank you for the wisdom of your word. Especially, God, I thank you for the wisdom of the Proverbs. And Father, we thank you for what we see in our own lives over the years around your people, wise women, wise men, building their homes, investing in their children, investing in your ways. God, we thank you for that. And God, we we pray that you'd help us all to learn What do you want for us? How do you want us to apply this to our life? And I pray for that today. God, I know what a challenge it is. And it's, it's becoming more challenging year by year, generation by generation. But your word never changes. We're thankful for that. God, give us wisdom. I pray that in this room today, from the heart of every person here would be a cry, God, give us wisdom. Help us to follow the wise admonitions of Scripture, not the foolish values of the world. 